Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, we, we started a series for the month of December called The Christmas Story. The Christmas Story. And uh, last week, we kicked things off in the book of Matthew, and we, we went through the Christmas story in the book of Matthew, and we looked at Joseph's perspective. But my heart in this series is to venture through the Christmas story in a slow, detailed manner, because I believe we're familiar with Bible stories. We know Bible stories, but often we, we run through them, and because we don't pay attention to the details, sometimes we miss out on powerful principles. I really believe that to be true. And so last week, we looked at Matthew chapter one, and we looked specifically kind of at Joseph's experience and role in the Christmas story. You know, he's engaged to be married. He, he's, he's ready to start his life with Mary. And then all of a sudden he notices that she starts to show. She's pregnant, but he's not the dad. When everything earthly tells Joseph, I, I think it's time to leave, God tells him to stay. So we concluded last week with this question. Will we linger long enough Will we endure long enough to ensure we're present for the promises of God? Will we, will we endure long enough, right? Will we wait on God long enough? Will we endure long enough to make sure we're present for the birth of God's promises in our life? Did last week help anybody? Come on. I'm glad. So last week, considering we highlighted Joseph's perspective inside of the story, I thought it might be cool to look at the story, maybe through the lens of Mary. And I think we get the fullness of Mary's perspective as we go through the gospel, not of Matthew, but the gospel of Luke. So I wanna read this passage here. Um, I'll pray and then we'll jump into it. Does that sound okay? Luke chapter one, flip open to Luke chapter one. I'm gonna be reading verses 26 through 34. It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So we see there's a woman named Elizabeth, okay? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel, this angel, appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. But the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus. He, he will be very great. He'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He'll reign, for, he'll reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And you think Mary's probably sitting there thinking, Woo, I knew God had plans for my life. You know what I'm saying? She's sitting there thinking, oh, come on, Lord, won't you do it, right? I'm taking some selfies with that baby bump. Save you know what I'm saying? Like, I got the Savior. Let's... How does she respond, though? Whoa, wait, I got questions. Wait, I got questions. Mary asked the angel, but how can that happen? I'm a virgin. God, God I got questions. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Come on, let, let's pray, and then we'll jump in. I don't want to spoil it. Jesus, that's called ADD, church. Jesus, I need help. God, I pray for an anointing. God, I pray for wisdom. I pray for the people in this room. God, would you till the soil of their heart right now to receive the truth of your word? God, as the seed of your word goes forth, 
Would it land on the fertile soil of our hearts? Would it take root and grow to produce fruit in our lives? God, I don't want to lead a group of people that just come in here week after week and just listen. I don't want to be a group of, uh, I don't want to be a body of believers that just hears. I want to be a body of believers that does. God, I want to be uh, a body of believers that's really about the action, God. So I pray that you would um, in, infuse us with your Holy Spirit, spur us on to action. Help us put our, feet, our faith to our feet. God, we don't want to just be hearers of your word. We want to be doers also. In your holy and mighty name, we all said, amen. amen. Now, you'll notice that the passage I opened up with, uh, it mentions a woman named Elizabeth. And, and not that Elizabeth is necessarily imperative to the Christmas story, um, but I, I want to I, I touch on Elizabeth's story and I want to touch on her husband, Zachariah, because I think oftentimes their story sort of gets overlooked or kind of outshined by the whole Mary being a virgin and conceiving the Messiah story, which, you know, fair enough, it's a pretty good story. But I, I want to take time to move through that bit because I think there's a principle found in that part of the story. And then we find that principle again in Mary's story. And then we find that principle in other places in the scriptures as well. So I, I, I want to move through that, if that would be all right. Um, but before I do, when I was about 13 or 14 years old, I went to a Christian youth conference in Rhode Island. And this conference was called the Awakening Conference. And it was at New Life Church. And there was this kid. He was a high school kid. He was you know, got in a lot of trouble, didn't have great grades. Uh, it was the pastor's kid, actually. And um, w w w there wasn't seeming to be a whole lot of promise coming out of this kid. And man, God just totally um, wrecks him, gives him vision, and he starts this youth conference. And to this day, it has exploded. It's moved into an arena in Rhode Island, and nothing like this was happening in the Northeast. So I was there for some of the early years of this conference, and this kid, he would just... Somehow he found a way to bring in world-renowned pastors and preachers. He'd have breakout sessions. He'd bring in really popular Christian rappers and just like would make this, put on this cool thing for the youth of the Northeast. And so I would go to it every year. And one year when I was there, it was an evening session. This guy was given a message. I think his name was Pastor Tim. And in this atmosphere, you know, he was a Pentecostal preacher and this is like revival atmosphere, okay? I don't remember all the details specifically, but I remember in his message, he was talking about how he kept seeing angels in the scriptures and he started to pray, God, I want to see an angel. Let me see an angel. I want to see an angel. And he went on to say in his testimony that one night while he was in bed, he saw an angel in his house. He said it was huge. He said it had a massive sword. So I, I, those are like things I remember. It's, it's vague, but I remember this. So long story short, he gets to the end of his message and he has this altar time. And it's not so much just a salvation altar call, but it's like, you know, come up here to encounter God, you know, like, like let, let's have a moment with the Lord. And, you know, if, if you're hungry to encounter God, get down in these altars. So as a 13 or 14 year old kid, I work up the courage. I get out of my seat. I was sitting in the upper section and I come down and I, I get down into the altars and I'm like, come right up to the stage. Okay. Where, where the, where the preacher is. It's like, I could touch the preacher if I wanted to. And I'm just like, here I am, you know, ready to encounter God. I'm a, I'm a kid, but I'm hungry to know God. I'm hungry to encounter God, to experience God, and, and, I, and I want that. So I'm just sitting there. I'm just, you know, trying to pray and press in, like, here, here we go, right? And I'm just, oh, come on, God. I want to encounter you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. And all of a sudden, 
like a, like a wrecking ball, this girl who's just totally overwhelmed by the presence of God. You know, you, she has what you call maybe like the Holy Ghost shakes, okay? He's coming through like just praying, like totally overwhelmed by the presence of God. I just get knocked aside by this person barreling through. Here I am trying to pray, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, like, and she just goes right up to the altars, and she's just in this moment. Now, for me, I've never really experienced anything like this. I haven't really been exposed to something like this. So I'm trying to pray, but my curiosity is also consuming me. So I got like one eye on her, one eye's praying. You know, it's like there's not really sure what's happening here, and I'm kind of watching. I'm just like, all right, what's the situation here? What's the deal? And I watch the pastors on the stage, and they start having a conversation. So I'm, I'm down in the altar. I'm trying to pray. You know, we, we have this girl here with the Holy Ghost shakes, and then we have these pastors who are, who are communicating, and they're kind of pointing at her, and they'll communicate, and then they're pointing at me. And I'm like, wait, I got nothing to do with any of this. I'm just trying to pray, okay? And I can tell them they keep, inter- they keep having conversation, they keep talking, and one of the pastors, you know, he kind of walks over, talks with another guy, and then he comes over to me and he points at me. He's making eye contact with me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is about to happen? I, I knew I shouldn't have come down here. Like, what, what is this? So I'm sitting there like, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, you know? <laughs> and, uh, don't lie in church. I don't know what to do, you know? So he comes over, he looks at me, and he goes, he looks at me, and he goes, hey, she's going to fall. Can you catch her? And I'm like, What do you mean? I'm like, I think I said yes, but in my head, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got questions. How do, do I put my arms out? Is anyone going to help me? Is this just me? Do I like let her down slow? This girl also, you know, like, it, how do I catch her? Is it like underneath? Is it like over top? Do we lay her down slow? Do I pray while I do it? I got questions. Come on. You ever had a moment where it's like, wait, I got questions. You want me to do what? And it's funny, but I feel like sometimes with God, these moments happen where God says, hey, I, I, hey, will you do this? And you're like, wait, God, me? Wait, God, me? Hey, hey I want you to do this. God, don't, don't you know what I've been through? God, you know, how, you know how educated I am, right? God, you know I'm ill-equipped for that. You know I'm underqualified for that, right? Wait, wait, hey, hey, I want you to do this. Wait, God, I got questions. I got questions. Anyone ever been there? I look at the Christmas story and I, and I look at these biblical characters and, and as I go through their stories, specifically Elizabeth and Zacharias, specifically Mary, I, I see them have moments where God says, hey, I, w- I wanna do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something in you. I'm gonna do something through you. And they go, wait, God, I got, wait, God, I got questions. I got questions. Let's look at it. Luke 1, verses five through 18, it says this. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. So we're introduced to this man named Zechariah, okay? And he was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. So we see this couple, they both are in priestly lines. It says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eye, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. And then it says they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. So that window of having kids has moved on. It's just not in the cards anymore. Biologically, scientifically, they're just they're too old. They're not going to have a baby, okay? 
But what we do find out about this couple is she's from a line of priests. He is a priest. This is a God-fearing couple. They're holy people. They're good people. They're upright. And we find that Zechariah, he's a priest. He's in the temple taking care of his duties. Verse 8 says this. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was burning or being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. So we find Zechariah, he's in the temple, he, he's burning the incense, he's uh, taking care of his priestly duties, he's probably praying in this moment. And uh, yeah, he, he's, in the, he's in the temple in, in, in a perfect atmosphere to encounter the presence of God. In verse 11, it says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. I know someone else who was shaken and overwhelmed with fear, okay? But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You'll have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he'll turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Come on, this kid has plans for his life. This ain't just no other baby. This is like a messenger sent from God. This kid has special, divine, supernatural plans for his life. He's gonna be a leader. He's gonna have influence. The angel continues. He'll prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He'll turn their hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. An angel comes to Zechariah in the temple and says, hey, your prayers of you and your wife, we're gonna answer them. We're gonna give you a kid. This kid has plans that you couldn't imagine. He's gonna be a leader. He's gonna lead people to the Lord. He's gonna clear the way for the Messiah. He's on his way. And you think Zechariah would be there and be like, let's go. I can't believe it. Are you serious? Our prayers answered? It's not just going to be like a, a normal kid. It's going to be, this kid's going to prepare the way for them. This is. But what does he do? Whoa, whoa, wait. I got questions. I got questions. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure that will happen? I, I'm an old man now, right? And my, and my wife's old too. Zechariah, that kid you've been praying for is on the way. Zechariah's like, wait, I got, I got a question. God, how's that going to happen? I'm, I'm old. My wife is old. How are you, how are you going to do that through us? You, you, have you ever excused the supernatural work of God because of the practical? Come on, have you, have you ever, has God ever put something in your heart and you say, whoa, God, wait, I got, I got questions. Me? Me? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know where I've been? Don't you know my age? Don't you know my education level? Don't you know my amount of resource I have? Don't you know how limited I am, God? He says, yeah, I want you. Ephesians 2.10, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. God has good things planned for you. And guess what? You won't always be equipped in the natural for those plans. You, it won't always physically make sense, but Hebrews tells us that this faith thing, it's unseen. It's unseen. Have you ever excused the supernatural work of God because the natural, God, we're too old. God, the sickness is too bad. You can't turn this around. God, my whole family struggles with this thing. I'm obviously gonna struggle with it too, God. 
nonetheless, though, what I think is so interesting, and this isn't a part of my message, I didn't even say this last service, but Zechariah comes out and he, and he can't speak until the baby's born. And this is a whole other message that maybe I'll save for another time, but sometimes I think God's got to be quiet because our words hold power, right? So he just said, hey, I, I don't want the power of your words to screw any of this up, so I'm going to keep you quiet until it happens. Come on, life and death in the tongue, right? All right, anyway, Christmas story, back to it. So then we have Mary. So we have Zechariah, and we, and, and we have his wife, Elizabeth, okay? And, the, and they end up having the baby, but we see that interaction. Now let's move forward, okay? It's, it's uh, Luke 1, 26 through 34. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so Elizabeth's showing, she's carrying her baby, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. This is good news. Don't be scared. No, what, what, what I'm about to tell you is okay. It's, it's, it's really good. I, th I think it will excite you. Right? You will conceive and give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus. He'll be very great. He'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And you think Mary... Would, would hear this news and be like, woo, praise God, let's go, I love it, this sounds amazing, I'm excited, I'm fired up about it. But she says, no, wait, I got a question. God, how, how will you do that through me? I'm a virgin. I haven't done anything to become pregnant. I'm, I'm a virgin, how's, how's that gonna work? God, how will you do that through me? That is scientifically, biologically impossible. God, I got questions. It's so interesting because while I was preparing this week, I felt the Lord kind of drop into my heart, John 4, uh, the, the story of the woman at the well, or, you know, we know her as the Samaritan woman. And I thought it was kind of strange that the Lord was leading me there because I'm like, you know, having the, sort of this inner dialogue, this inner wrestle of like, God, I'm in the Christmas story. That's our series. Like, woman at the well doesn't really, <clears throat> it's just not part of like what, what, what we're kind of focusing on here. Why, why are you leading me? Why are you taking me to John 4? And so whatever, I just put it in my heart. I started reading through John 4, and it was like, ah, okay, I, I see it. I, I get it. So I, I want to just step out. So we understand Mary has this wrestle. She's like, God, how are you going to do that? Like, I'm a virgin. I got questions. I want to I put down the Christmas story for a second and step into John 4, the story with the woman at the well. And not spend a ton of time, but just kind of breeze through it. So John 4, verse 1 through 9, it says this. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, John the Baptist, right? John, the baby of Zechariah and Mary, or I'm sorry, Elizabeth. So it says that the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus didn't baptize them. His disciples did. So he left Judea and re he returned to Galilee. And then it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way. And eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Don't you love how Jesus, even though being God, still experiences the human emotions and human feelings? Like Jesus got tired. I think that's so interesting. 
I, I'm so encouraged by the fact we have a God who understands what we go through. He understands how we feel. He understands when you're tired. He understands when you're excited. He understands when you're sad. He's felt it. He's been there. But anyways, Jesus walks through. He, he goes through this town, Samaria, and just, just really quick background. Samaria at one time was heavily populated by Jews. It was a Jewish culture. They get invaded by, um, I, I believe it was Assyrians, but I would have to ch check my research here. And, and they lose this word to the Assyrians, and then they're taken captive. And all of a sudden, the people that invaded the Jews in Samaria, they started you know, t taking captive their women, and they started having kids together. And all of a sudden, you have this, um, you know, what, what the Jews now refer to as a half-breed, because they're taken captive by these pagan religions and, and people and so Jews, they, they don't want to interact with Samaritans. Samaritans have no place with the Jews. They're seen as unclean half-breeds. We don't associate with you. You don't associate with us. So Jesus is, is walking through this town. And then he, he sends off the disciples to go get some lunch. So he, he sits down at the well. He's tired. And it says, uh, Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from the long walk, long walk, wearily beside the well, about noontime, he sat down. Verse seven, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Jesus, a Jewish man, speaks to a Samaritan woman. This is strange. This is countercultural. This is not normal. These two people don't normally interact. Samaritans have no place with the Jews. Jesus looks at her and says, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Disciples ran off the subway. Jesus is sitting on the well. Verse 9, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritan. Jesus sitting on the well. You know, maybe she's not even looking. She's like, but she's like, I got to get my water. But like, who is this guy? You know, and she's like about to get her water, like trying not to make eye contact, like she can very easily tell he's Jewish. She's like, you know, doing her own thing. Jesus just sitting there looking at her, you know. Can you please give me a drink of water? And in this moment, you see in this, her response, she goes, wait, before I do that, I, I got questions. She says, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, whether she realizes it or not, this woman's talking to God. Jesus asked her for a drink. She goes, she goes wait, I, I got questions. And, and what, I, what I find to be true is it's not just Zachariah and Elizabeth. It's not just Mary, right? It's not just the Samaritan woman. We all got questions for God. We all got questions. Why God? How God? When God? Where, God? <laughs> and all too often, I think we allow the practical to blind us from the supernatural. God, we're too young. God, we're too, we're too old. We're too dumb. I'm, God, I'm not them. I'm not them. God, I'm not enough. Essentially, that's what we're saying. God, God I'm, I'm not enough. And when, when we have these feelings, we're focused on ourselves and we're focused on what we can provide and what we have in our resource, in our ability. And Jesus recognizes this in the Samaritan woman. So let's watch how the conversation continues in John 4, verses 10 through 14. So she goes, 
why are you asking me for a drink? I'm a Samaritan woman. We're not supposed to associate. I have no place with the Jews. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I'd give you living water. I'd give it to you. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is really deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than your ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you only offer better water than how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Really what Jesus is talking about here, he's not talking about water at all. He's talking about salvation and he's talking about his Holy Spirit, making us new, giving us new life, right? The scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation, God at work within us. And you know what really Jesus, what, what he's really doing in this moment? He's helping her take her eyes off the practical so she can receive the miracle. God, I'm a Samaritan. Why are you, at, you don't have anything to do with me. Little does she know, God's got plans for a Samaritan too. Amen? She goes, you don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket. You don't have the practical things that you need to get water. Jesus is trying to say, baby girl, I got an endless supply. If you only knew who you were talking to, I'm a God of unlimited resource. If you ever thought it was in your own strength, if you ever thought it was about what you had or who you were or who you knew, guess what? It's about me and what I give. I'm your resource. I'm your supply. Jesus, in a gentle way, says to her, I ain't worried about that water. And he says to Zechariah, I ain't worried about your age. And he says to, to Mary, I ain't worried about what you have or haven't done. I ain't worried about what you don't have. It's not about what you have or don't have because it's about the water that I give. And I think somebody forgot I'm a God of abundance. I'm, I'm a God whose supply never runs dry. I'm a God who's capable of more than you could ever ask or imagine. It's God's spirit at work within us. And here's what I know to be true. We'll always be able to question God. We'll always be able to question God and his ways. But at some point, believer, we have to make the decision that we're gonna believe what he said and we're gonna trust him. We're gonna believe that his word never fails and what he said is true. So, you know, what I love is Jesus ends up kind of reading this woman at the well. He ends up reading her mail. He's like, all right, go ahead, go get your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. I know. He's like, you've had a ton of them. She's like, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. And through their dialogue, Jesus ends up revealing to her. He says, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one y'all are waiting on. I'm the Messiah. And I love how the, the woman at the well, she runs into town. She leaves her jar to get water. She leaves her practical. She leaves the practical behind. She runs to get people to bring them in front of Jesus. Jesus has a conversation with these people. And the, chapter, the story in chapter four concludes with this. Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. They came into agreement. 
there's a miracle that takes place. You know, we are God's handiwork. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. Jesus had salvation planned even for the Samaritans. That's a miracle in itself. When the rest of, when the, rest of the Jews think they're unclean, they're unworthy, they're unfit, Jesus says, it's about me and what I can do. Even the most unclean things I got plans for. Even the most unclean things I got salvation for. Amen? So let's, let, let's step out of John 4, step back in, into the story because I love, I love, I love Mary's response to the angel. She asked her question, and, and then let's, let's look into the rest of the dialogue here. Luke 1, 35 through 38 says this. Kim, you can jump on the keys if you wouldn't mind. It says this, Luke 1, 35 through 38 says, The angel replied, Mary goes, how is that going to happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The woman at the well, God, how are you going to give me living water? How do you have living water to reply? The power of my Holy Spirit. Zechariah, God, how are you going to give us a kid? We're too old. The power of my Holy Spirit. The questions might be different, but the answer is always the same. Amen? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? The power of God will come upon you. The angel continues. It says, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And here's, I love Luke 1, verse 37. It says, for the word of the Lord will never fail. Come on, somebody's got to hear that in this place. For the word of the Lord will never, fe- will never fail. And you know what his word says? You are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You know what his word says? I have a plan, a hope, and a future for your life. You know what his word says? I'll never leave you or forsake you. Come on. You know what, you know what his word says? It says he's capable of a abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Come on, God's got plans for you. And even when you feel unfit, even when you feel too dirty, even when you feel like the, 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 the practical isn't in place for the miracle, for, for, for what needs to happen, God is capable. Amen? God's really good at using broken vessels. God's really good at using the, the weak things of the world, the dumb things of the world right? God, use them to shame the wise. Come on, our weakness is a perfect platform for God's power to be displayed in our lives. Amen? For the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, and and here's where, here's what I I think we need to glean ourselves. Mary has a little something to teach us in this moment. Here's what we need to believe as believers ourselves. Her response is, I am the Lord's servant. Maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe I don't see it yet. Maybe I don't even fully understand. But I am the Lord's servant. So may everything you've said about me come true. Come on, can that be our heart's posture this morning? God, may everything you said have come true. Come on, raise your kid up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. Come on, parents. Come on, his word won't fail. His word is true. Come on, God, you're capable. You never leave us or forsake us. You got plans. Amen. Can we cling to that? The word of God will never fail. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.